welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome back, everybody, to the Beyond 365 podcast brought to you by Step Beyond Green to Healthy. And I have part two with Dr. Jill Krista, the leading expert and the forefront in mold-related illnesses. If you are checking out this part two first, you're not going to want to do that. It's very much a building piece starting from the very beginning to now we're going to talk about how to actually remediate mold uh, within your body. And then also talking a little bit about Dr. Jill's book, which you can find more of on her website at drkrista.com, C-R-I-S-T-A.com. You can find out about her book. If you don't like to read, there's audiobooks and an ebook as well. That's the best way you can help support what she's doing right now as she continues her journey in connecting building-related mold and how it's affecting our body. Without further ado, let's get to part two. Well, we're back here, and I am, again, you're blowing my mind. If you haven't listened to our first segment, you got to listen to the first segment. Uh, Dr. Jill goes over the entire process of, like, scaring us into the reality of the world that we live in. And it's not scaring us to death. It's scaring us into the way we need to be open about the fact that our environments that we're living in can create and do create mold, and we need to be aware of it, and then how it interacts with our bodies. So if you haven't listened to the first segment, make sure you listen to that one before this one, because this one is all about, we're going to be talking about how to, the right re remediation. We ended the last podcast with fogging and how that is a horrendous thing to do. Do not do it. Um, yes, it can help for a moment in time, potentially, but let's not make that a practice. So that's how we ended it. We're going to pick it right back up where we left off there. And we're also going to have some time at the end to have Dr. Jill talk about not only one book, but two books that she's got out right now that is our must read. And if you want, want to know everything that she knows, you have to read it in the book. She's not going to give it to us in this today's segment. So let's get <laughs> back to, re to remediation, Dr. Jill. Thanks for being out again today. Yeah. So remediation of the home space, I've learned a lot, uh, you know, when I first realized this was mold um, in my patients and found an incredible inspector in Madison, um, she's, you know, one of the top in the nation, and then just kind of went on trips, you know, went to my patients' homes to try to learn, uh, because I just really didn't understand the whole process. And so I know enough to be dangerous, but I do highly recommend if you're working with a doctor, don't have your doctor manage this from the clinical space. They are not trained in buildings. You know, if you if you ask your doctor, well, what about stack effect? And they say, huh? Then that's that will tell you, like, this is not the person to be managing your home remediation. Um, remediators are really good when they can work with an inspector. And in most states, they need to be two different companies. They need to be two different parties. Um, I would highly recommend that, that the inspector is different than the remediator because they have a conflict of interest if they're not. So you want to have the remediation company. And I love the ones that I work with. Like they, they work hard to pass the inspector's tests afterwards. Remediators do their own testing and that's just their own quality control, you know, their own QC to see how their systems are working. But when they're working with an inspector, 
it just raises the bar for them to pass that post remediation inspection. And if you're not working with an inspector that does post remediation inspection, be careful <laughs> because you should have somebody making sure that everything that you have just invested in, in your home or your built space, that it actually worked because, you know, in our area here, one in three remediations needs to be redone or done farther because they found more once they open things up. That's a lot. And, and so you want to have that post inspection and kind of have the accountability person to be able to say, you know, okay, you guys aren't passing post inspection. We got to take a look. Where is it? Where is there more? Um, or where else do we need to remediate? Remember that a lot of inspectors that are brought in from your insurance company, they are trained with a technique by insurance companies to purposefully miss mold. So they're really well trained for the training that they get. You know, these guys have certifications, they have trainings and things, but two problems with this. The training is primarily funded by insurance companies that want to miss it. And the second thing is they're not paying attention to mycotoxins. So in the last segment, we were talking about the four ways mold can make you sick, which is spores, spore fragments, chemicals, and mycotoxins. And we have a mycotoxin blindness in both industries, in the, in the building industry and in the medical industry. And the reason for that is that they are well-known poisons and toxins. They are well-known carcinogens. There are militaries around the world using mycotoxins for biowarfare. So once it went into that, it went underground. And like, you can't find human research on mycotoxins past about the 60s, a little bit after World War II because we're using it. But there are plenty of human studies, and if anyone wants one, email me, where we have proof that it was used on like the Hmong people. What toxin were they using? They were using toxic um, from the toxin from black mold. And there's proof in their bodies. There's proof in the, you know, on their land, the outdoor, on their fields. So this, these are real toxins. So we know how dangerous they are. We can't design a study that says, Hey, who wants to recruit for being in the poisoning category? <laughs> you know, we can't say, hey, we're, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to poison you with known poisons, but then we're going to give you a bunch of stuff to see how your body processes it and if it helps you feel better and your markers get better and that kind of thing. We don't have that study because of medical ethics. We do have those studies in animals because we have situations where we know darn well we have them in a moldy barn or we know darn well we're going to be feeding a moldy feed because, you know, that's that's unfortunately an accepted part of the industry, which also needs to get corrected because those mycotoxins get into their tissues and we are eating them in the eggs, the milk, the meat, you know, that's affecting us. So that's another <laughs> another cause for another area. But we know that then from animal studies, when they say, oh, okay, the times when we are going to have to give a moldy feed, guess what? They have all these things that they know can help. So there, there's rosemary added to a lot of like dog food and things like that. There's a reason for that because they know rosemary is very good for as an antifungal and also as an antioxidant and helps our bodies handle mold exposure in our food. Simple little things like that. So the categories of things they're adding to animal feed that we know can make people better. If you want to shift into treatment or do you want to keep talking about the remediation side of things? 
<laughs> there is so much you just went over. I I, I got to okay, backtrack yeah, let's just, take a just a hair okay. before you get in, yeah. in, in before you get into that. So yeah, yeah. I want to I want to circle back. I think I think what you said about inspectors and then remediators and then re-inspection. I think mm. I think if you're having a struggle with the inspector and the remediator, it's not a good synergy in that team. We tend to find that with the right remediator, right. they want to pass the test. You know, it's it's almost like we're a team that goes, I understand that my job here as a remediator is to get to zero, right? Or whatever whatever our threshold is trying to get to. And when I get pushback from the remediator, it's not a good team member. Like the yeah. idea here is we're trying to help the person in the home, right? So I always say, if you're starting to see this like tension between your inspector and your remediator, it's probably time to look at a different remediator or not and have that conversation before you hire them. Like we're here to help me not to say you did it right or wrong or how we get, we're trying to get to zero and to the homeowner understand that that's somehow that's sometimes not easy to pinpoint a dollar amount to. I think the frustration I get from homeowners is, well, I, the, the, the remediator is just going to get it done the first time. And so when the remediator does it, they're a bad remediator. And you hit on it earlier, like, no, "No, it just meant that in the process, we discovered it was a bigger problem or now we're testing and we're finding it where we can't see it. Right. So I try to coach homeowners to this through this process of it's not that neither one of them are right or wrong. It's that now we're we're working to getting to zero. We're getting rid of it. And so play together well as a team. It's frustrating. You're not feeling well. You're not happy as a homeowner. The inspector, believe it or not, doesn't want to come in and find a bunch of it. I always tell people it's not their goal to come back with a panel that says, here's all these bad things in your house, right? They're hoping, crossing their fingers, they come back with nothing, right? That's that's their, their hope. And so it's interesting when you look at the dynamic between the inspector and the remediator and the homeowner, and you see all this tension, you go, guys, 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 hold on. We're, we're, yeah. we're all here on the same team. Um, and so it, it can be frustrating for all three, not just the homeowner. So I just kind of wanted to bring that back. Like it's, it's scary. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. Right. It's one of those mm-hmm. things where I don't want to get in this battle. I, I want it just gone. And, and unfortunately in our culture, and I don't know how you feel. It's just, everybody wants something to be able to 24 hours later, be done with it. Like we just oh, yeah. want to move on with our life. Right. 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 Or like, that's the, that's the thing about fogging, you know, that sounds so great is like, you don't have to have the disruption to your life because everybody's so maxed out on a daily, you know, our daily schedules, especially pandemic just maxed everybody out that much more. So this idea of like, oh, well, if I don't have to have things, you know, being construction in my space or, you know, go to a hotel while they remediate or, any of that part or loss, you know, loss of the furniture, loss of the the kid toys that you love or, you know, those kinds of things like that's, it's just easier to sort of like, <laughs> and then I love what you just said that they are team members, you know, the enemy is mold. So everybody else should be working to flank it, you know, to kind of make sure that you are winning on all, all levels. And that I love our, you know, again, the remediators and the inspectors I work with, they're like, they're like working on the remediation to prove it to the inspector, like that they've done this awesome job. And I just love that, that teamwork that they're, you know, it's accountability, but it's also, there should be some teamwork. I love that you said that. And you know what, one of my recommendations to families that I work with is the remediators know they're under a lot of financial pressure to keep it as low cost as, as possible for the company. You know, they're not, they're not buying yachts with what they're doing. And these remediators are putting their own bodies at risk 
to do the work that they do. The mycotoxins we were talking about that are, you know, biowarfare, those go through the respirators, a P100 respirator, because their nanoparticles are still coming through those respirators. So you know already that <laughs> and the, everyone that does remediation on in my house and the ones I work with, I'm nagging them all the time. I'm like, are you taking this? Are you taking that? Are you taking like protect your body because we know these things are harmful and they're getting through those masks. So just know that they yes, they're on they're gonna cost money, but they're personally under a lot of risk. And they're that stress to be as low cost as possible is making them press their workers to a shorter day schedule than or the shorter amount of days that they could possibly do. So I recommend to the families that I work with, ask them for an extra day. Just pay, just plan ahead and pay for an extra day because one in three in my personal practice, they have to come back and take out more. So you're better off take, not having to pay a second trip charge, not having to pay for containment to go down and go back up again at another time. If you have a significant thing where they're going to be spending three days, schedule out two extra days you will be saving yourself time and stress and all of that in the long run. If they estimate a one day, ask them for two days because that is the pattern that I'm seeing. And again, each time they come out, they have to put up containment. They have to, you know, a trip charge, all of those things. Just plan ahead and maybe buy them lunch because they're putting their health at risk for your benefit. <laughs> well, and I, I love that you say buy them lunch because my, my additional piece to that was I, I love the extra day. I love the, the, the pressure off of that. Um, mm -hmm. I get too many times that people will go through this two or three times. Like it's not even just once because they're just like, well, I wanted to get them in and out and I wanted to be done. And now you're spending three times as much money. Um, but I also, I also feel like contractors are human, right? So tell yep. them that you're concerned about your health. I mean, I think, yes. I think it's so fascinating when I, I, I get together with people who start off the conversation with, I'm going to sound like I'm asking for a lot or that I'm weird. And I go, no, you're human. Like at the end of the day, you're asking me to care for you. Mm -hmm. and, and it seems weird in the building industry that people ask me to care for them, but I mean, I want to, I want to build something that's amazing for you. That's healthy for you. That makes you excited about being with your family. So when that mm -hmm. remediator comes in, I always say, tell them that you're really concerned about the health of your family and your children and get them to be part of the journey with you to do the best they can instead of coming in the door going, when are you going to be done? Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, and you're already setting this tone. Like I think what you were saying earlier, and that's why I love about two of us saying it, <laughs> you, you don't want, you, you want them to feel engaged in it. You want to buy them lunch. You want to thank them for, for putting their, their, their lives on the line, which can be compared to a lot of different things that we thank other industries for putting their lives on the line. But we don't really think yeah. about even asbestos removal. If we think of, I mean, there's all so many people that go in there to take care of things that when we talk about the laws governing the protection of things like dust and whatnot, they're, they're very not geared towards the homeowner. They're geared towards the contractor that's there every day doing it over and over and over and over again, mm -hmm. because their exposure rate is 10 times more than a homeowner will ever be. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I always tell people, feel, thank them. They're, they're, they're doing, oh, I love it. I love there's two of us are doing it. It's great. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the dedication in my mold book says, you know, to the remediators who healed my home, it's like, that's their heroes. They're the firefighters, you know, they're the ones rushing into the, into the fiery building. It's just that unfortunately we don't see the fire. We can't smell it, see it, you know, but it's just as 
dangerous for these guys. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But the good news is, is that we can do something about it, right? Yes. So aside from removing it from the building structure itself, we have these in our body is what I'm kind of hearing. So, and that's something mm -hmm. that you've spent a lot of time, time with analyzing. Tell us a little bit about the, the way of getting rid of these toxins or, or preventing them in a, in a process. Yeah. So I kind of have the, um, when I sat down to write my book, I thought I do kind of have a system, but because I'm a naturopathic doctor, I individualize it to the patient. So it's not a protocol, but it is sort of a method. And when I really thought about what's a visual for this, it was an orange. And the reason why I came up with an orange is that there's five basic steps or methods. So it's avoidance, the fundamentals, which would be, you know, diet, sleep, exercise, kind of good, clean living kind of things. And then protecting your organs from the exposure that you're getting, repairing anything like repairing the immune system, repairing the bone marrow, repairing the liver and the kidney tissue that got damaged. And then at the very end, the last step is fighting mold back because it does move in and you become the moldy building. And so that has to get reset. But if we did that first, um, mold gets mean when you come after it and it will start spitting out more mycotoxins to defend itself. Remember the mycotoxins are like a weapon. So we want to have the body completely prepped and ready to handle that step. So those are the kind of the five steps and why an orange is that the outer two or the first two steps, the outer two layers of the orange, if you peel those completely, sometimes people don't even need the rest of the steps. So when we look at occupational studies, avoidance and cleaning up diet and getting sleep and, you know, being a good parent to yourself, like eat your vegetables, go to bed on time, get exercise, all the things and getting them out of that exposure. So the company remediated and they had a good remediation. 50% of people in occupational settings get better without any further treatment. The key is if they are made sick to the point that they have non-respiratory symptoms. So things that are beyond the CDC's definition of mold. So you know, runny nose, allergies, hay fever, um, asthma, or worsening asthma. If anyone has things that are beyond that, so the things we talked about, anxiousness, fatigue, um, gut disruption, urinary frequency, skin rashes, things that are outside of the respiratory tract, they need treatment. But 50% of the people, when they do those first two steps, which is full avoidance of mold and anything fungi, so, you know, take the mushrooms out of your diet for a little while, take the alcohol out of your diet for a little while, um, that just avoid anything that's fermented for a while and get the, get the things in your diet that help you detoxify like beets and, you know, things that are good for the liver. Um, curry has turmeric in it, which is really, really good. Those kinds of things you can just be done then. But if you're not better with the avoidance part and the fundamentals, then you need to go into the getting ready to fight back mold. Cause that means mold did actually move in. It did actually become a colonization in your sinuses and your gut, probably your skin as well. And so those kind of steps, they have, they have kind of general categories, which is to create an oil change in the body because the mycotoxins are oil soluble. So they can accumulate in your system. And we'll see people dumping toxins from a 20 year exposure. Like 20 years ago, they were sick, they got sick from a moldy dorm in college, haven't been completely well since, and we can actually detoxify them and find those toxins still in there. It's amazing, isn't it? Wow. That's, <laughs> that's phenomenal, actually. I, you're yeah. just, you're, you're blowing my mind here. This is, this is insane. 
20, yeah. yeah, which makes sense, right? I mean, I, I, if we just store it and there's there's nothing that's forcing it out, right? And the body's right. trying We're, to it's just gonna it's gonna be yeah. a container for it, right? Because the body says, "Wow, that's really damaging. That could really hurt our liver, our kidneys. Let's store that away in fat." And so, if somebody has more like, um, what is the cottage cheese fat? <laughs> it's like cellulite. <laughs> somebody who has more cellulite, they're more toxic. That means the body has actually like put away things that are toxic and inflammatory. So you get that modeling kind of thing in the, in their chunk. So yeah, it's all treatable though. That's the great thing. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So treat yeah. so, so oil so, change. Yeah, so keep going with the oils. So, oil, yeah. so tell us about this oils. Yeah. So with an oil change, what we're trying to do is put in a lot of good, healthy oils. So like olive oil, you know, it's as easy as if you've grilled chicken or something, chop it up and dump a bunch of olive oil over the top. Like you don't have to be, it's not hard. You know, this can all be really easy. Um, and taking a good clean fish oil supplement and then catching the, the bile is what is the storage form of the, of those toxins. So we get it out through the bile and also through the kidneys, through urine. Um, so on the oil change side, if we take a lot of good oils and then we have bitters through our diet or supplements, which encourages a lot of bile to move. And then we catch that bile and we can catch it with fiber or binders. And now we've just created a complete oil change in the body. And that's what can change those things out. Now we're asking the liver a lot to when we're asking for it to do the oil change. So we want to support the liver with things like milk thistle and curcumin or turmeric. Um, milk thistle is super cool because for your builders out there, it's in studies with animals, it shows that if you take it ahead of time, milk thistle and quercetin. It will protect your cells, your liver, your kidney from any exposure that you get. So of course, what am I nagging all the remediators that I work with? Are you taking your fish oil? Are you taking milk thistle every morning? Are you taking quercetin every morning? Because I want them to be able to handle this toxicity that they're getting, this exposure, and prevent the body from saying, wow, that's toxic and damaging. Let's store it away. So we can actually, by preloading with those three things, a good fish oil supplement, a milk thistle, and quercetin, now the body says, oh, that's a mycotoxin. We can just process it, package it in bile, and send it out. You know, so super protective. Yeah. And it, it can be so easy, and it can be so proactive, and then we don't have to wait for someone to get sick. And then the, um, the fight phase is just antifungals, which all of these phases we can use pharmaceuticals for. So if somebody can't really afford the supplements, they can use something like Actigal, which is a pharmaceutical that forces bile to move. So you take a fish oil with your Actigal. You know, I mean, it's just really can all be done through pharmacy too. So antifungals could be something like a pharmaceutical antifungal or an herbal that's a mix that will help shut down fungal overgrowth in the body. And people get way better. Like I get emails all the time. Thank you. Thank you for your book. It's all laid out in my book on how to do it with doses and everything. Obviously if in the book, there's not pharmaceuticals because that's a DIY book. Um, so if you've done the DIY and you're still not feeling better, first of all, check to make sure you really, really got rid of mold because that's usually the problem. Um, and second, you know, you might need to see a mold literate doctor, which I'm training doctors that's my whole thing is I'm trying to just create more doctors who have education on this and can manage it. So on my website, I have a search feature for everyone who's been certified through my training and you can find somebody. So if the book doesn't do it for you, um, you know, then go see one of the mold letter docs and get 
all better. And, it's, and it seems like you're you're certifying it almost like weekly now. It, it seems I always see like three or four names. She has this cool thing that she posts, Dr. Jill posts about her like graduates and she acknowledges yeah. all of them. And I just feel like that's really ramped up over the last year. I see you posting more and more of those. So that's, that's awesome. And, and across mm -hmm. the United States, like it's not just across like, the United States. I mean, yep. Not just naturopathic doctors. So chiropractors, medical doctors, naturopathic doctors. Yeah. So all kinds of, of walks of life. So whatever you're, you know, some people will only see a chiropractor. So, cause they are looking at things more holistically, you know? And so it's like, great. You know, we have chiros who are, are mold literate. So they know what to do with you. Yeah. You made mention about the, the book, at least the first book. So let's, so let's, can you talk to us a little bit more? Why would somebody, obviously the solutions are in there, at least what you just, you just talked about, but what is the book? Why did you think you had to get it out? Let's talk about the first book briefly on kind of give someone why, give us a little pitch on, on why I should go read your book. Yeah. Well, that I didn't, I didn't think of myself as an author <laughs> at all. Um, I was sitting in my own home, having been duped by mold, even though I was a mold Lyme expert and was creating a training course for doctors. And I thought, holy moly, if that got to me, um, like people need to realize that this is, this is possible in a new house, you know, like that, this is the problem is that I had all these preconceived notions. And so, but when I, when the flood did reveal itself to me and we knew it was water damage. Then I went, oh, this is mold. This isn't perimenopause and my kids going into puberty and, you know, like all of the things like me getting older. Um, and then I knew exactly the inspector I wanted, the remediator I wanted. I knew how to treat my family and I just felt duty bound to write the book. So I was just like, okay, this has got to get out there. And I honestly was like, this is probably just going to help my patients. You know, like I didn't really realize the scope of the problem until the book was out there and it's just been booming. And I'm realizing like, this is our next pandemic. This is, this is a problem. We're building things inappropriately, which is why I love the work that you are doing. Like some of the moldiest buildings are green buildings because it's all natural and they, they are not managing humidity. So for you to have the step beyond green to healthy is so important. It's like, I, I hope that your teachings are getting to every part of the industry possible because I just see it now that, you know, I'm national and so I get a lot of information and so you see these trends and it's like, is every LEED certified building multi? <laughs> because you know? it's happening a lot. And it's really sad for me to see because I wanted those to be, I wanted that to be the solution for all the chemically sensitive patients that I work with. And so if you, yeah, I don't know if I'm even answering your question. So that's the, that's the first book and, and how I got there. The second one was because this is another condition called pandas and pans with an autoimmune condition of the brain. So the immune system starts to attack its own brainstem. So the survival part of the brain and it can lead to some behavior changes, things like OCD and then tics and anxiety and things like that. And I'm just seeing such a huge trend of the kids in my practice that have pandas and pans. As we dig into the mold, they have mold in their exposure. So, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is going. So I just was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to go down the mold and, you know, so mold and pandas pans mold and thyroid and hormone problems mold and you know so i'm just gonna start making a, a spoke of wheel spoke of like molds in the center and here's all the other things you know dementia and because each thing kind of has its 
specific way that you might address it or treat it once mold's been in there. Yeah, it's just, it, it's incredible. All, all these years that I've been doing this, like it never, it's just recently that we've, I think, identified this mold as the core, as a core culprit. And I think it's been around mm-hmm. so long. Again, we just, we didn't know it was there, how it was affecting us. And now that we have the science and now, and now we know how to identify it, and treat it. I think that I think that's a bigger. When I I talk to people who were exposed to mold in ten year, mold ten years ago, mm-hmm. there wasn't doctors like you out there even researching the topic as so much as yeah you had mold exposure it'll be fine you know but right. that's like the classic lie anyways like oh well it's you had it and you're, you're going to get over it the body is a amazing way of filtering all this and you'll just it'll, it'll be okay or um, worse yeah like oh yeah mold doesn't put mold is not a factor for you have MS that's not a factor. Or yeah, yeah, it might be mold. Um, and you have really bad lung symptoms. Oh, you have an aspergillus allergy. It's like, we are, we are not meant to live with aspergillus in our homes. That's not an aspergillus allergy. That's an aspergillus home problem that needs to get taken care of. So a lot of times then once they get a label slapped on them, even if mold is, is part of the accepted, you know, aspect to their health, it, no one takes the next step to say, you know, actually that MS, we can, we can improve that by treating you. Cause the idea is that it's just, okay, now you have the MS label and now it's just going to be the agreement we all have in medicine is it's just downhill from here. It's just how fast can, you know, how much can we slow down the degradation? Well, we see reversals, you know, we can actually go the other direction up river when we treat it and we really address it. Yeah. And that's so many conditions I have in my doctor course. I have the the missed diagnoses, not the missed diagnoses, but the missed ones, you know? So if somebody has been diagnosed with um, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, that's mold a lot of times, like way more than I can describe. Um, There are clotting disorders that mold can cause. And it just gets called the clotting disorder instead of, you know, like Schurg-Strauss syndrome. Well, that's mold. So, you know, there's all these things that they get, these random diagnoses, small fiber neuropathy. Well, that's, commonly mold lime combination. So when, when we just dig, just because we can name the cell and what's happening with it, you know, we can, we're naming it does not tell us cause. So once you have a name of a diagnosis, keep digging to find cause because bodies want to be healthy. They want to be vibrant and you have a right to feel that way. Just, uh... <laughs> incredible <laughs> I just it just absolutely I don't, I don't know anybody listening right now if you're not just like in complete awe I, I don't I don't even I don't know you probably shouldn't listen to any other podcast beyond this one I mean <laughs> this, this is insane like it's just it's so much of what you're saying I say to people all the time like it's what is on the surface we have to figure out what caused that on the surface right if, if you're coming mm-hmm. to the trade industry asking for a healthy building practice there's a reason you're asking for it right i mean i would like it to be practiced but that's just not where we're at right now but but yeah but it's not the surface we're trying to deal with i'm not trying to I mean, people are always like well i'm just trying to uh, you know, i just don't like a lot of vocs but there must be yeah. a trigger point in which you've associated <laughs> the vocs right so tell me and they're always so like taken back by it like well what, what do you mean you want to know the trigger well you just told me that you've made a connection. I'd like to know how deep you've made this connection. Like how far have you taken it? Have you talked that through? Mm-hmm. Do you really know if that's the trigger or that's just what is taking your body over the top and that's what you're reacting to because of all the other things that you've taken in, right? 
And so it's just it's just fascinating to me when I hear the science behind it, because I think that's what's missing in the trade industry. Is we don't have a lot of doctors like you out saying that that's the connection. Right. They're, they're mm-hmm. out just saying, well, we're going to treat the, the condition. We'll just treat the condition, treat the condition, treat the condition. And, and what you've just spent the last six or seven minutes talking about is that that's that's just the surface outline. Like we got to get to the core of why it's there. And the mm-hmm. core of why it's there, we're finding out is tremendously around mold itself, you know, and I get the question all the time. Well, how come we weren't seeing these things, you know, years ago? What way different materials, right? You, I think you said it right. earlier in this podcast or in the previous one. I mean, we've just changed how we're doing things. When we talk about green, right? I always, mm-hmm. I always try to convince people too. Green is environmental. It, it was. It, it, there's nothing about the word green that says anything about the human body about how we're doing it. We we very much developed the green culture around saving the environment, which is a very positive thing to do. That's not. I'm not here against green. Just right. understand that that we had no intention of the human body's interaction in any of their thought process. <laughs> so they're trying to make efficient building, right? They're, they're, they're trying yeah. to make efficient buildings. They're trying to make uh, new materials that can help, but but they're not they're not at all thinking of human health. They're thinking right. of environmental health, right? So mm-hmm. I really that's why we came up with stepping beyond green. We, we have to go beyond the green nature of the environment and talk about us in our healthy nature, and mm-hmm. and that's really. People are confused by the name. They're like, so you don't like green. And I'm like, no, I don't have anything wrong with green. No, it's step beyond. It's like you start at green is your foundation and you move, you add to that. Yeah. You're not saying throw out green and go healthy. I mean, that that's so interesting that that's people's perception. Yeah. And I just, you know, trash talk lead buildings. I didn't mean to do that, but you know, it, it's just what I see. It's the, it's what I'm seeing on the body side of it. And like you talked about the hyper efficiency comes at a cost. And ideally where we would get to, and I love your work with this is yes, be environmental and be paying attention to the body. Like both, both can be true. They don't have to be opposing forces. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. When I, when I, I talk about he, healing, it's, it's, it's what, it's what you're putting into your body. It's, it's, it's the environment around it and it's your mental state. Right. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. all three of those. And when I think of the environmental piece, you have to be living in a healthy environment in order for that all to work, right? It's not, you can't just, like you're saying, you can't just peel that that orange and not have started with the first layer. You can't get to the core first. And I love that you said that we can't just go right to a pill that's going to somehow do this because the body reacts in a very negative. And I think, again, that's let me leap to the end before understanding what that is. And and that's no different than people who we go and we remediate, but then don't change any of, didn't check their body for that. And I right. think the industry is getting a lot more intuitive with, with doctors like yourself out there saying, we need to work together as partners. I said it earlier with the remediate, like we all work together. So I talked to chiropractors. I talked to all the different, like everybody is like, I keep asking them to be part more of Step Beyond Green. And they keep going, why would I do that? I said, but you're out there preaching to people that the need to clean their environments up, but you're not teaming with individuals to make that happen on a very safe level, right? And so yeah. you're, you're asking a homeowner, to do their own research, to find their own people. And I said, I don't think that any of us work well that way because they're going to have a bad experience and that'll be the end of it. Right. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's exciting to hear you talk. I, I just, how oh, man, I just, this has been a great podcast. Thank you for your time on here. I hope to have you on again, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I got your number for a potential project. So we'll, <laughs> And one and one final thought, where, if I want to get your book, where would I go get your two books at? 
Um, you can get it from my website, drkrista.com, which is D-R-C-R-I-S-T-A.com. The mold book is in ebook and audio. So if you aren't tired of hearing my voice now, you can get the audio. <laughs> um, and then anywhere that you get books, you know, Barnes and Noble, or if you don't like to support the Amazon, you can go different ways. So yeah, lots of different ways to find both books. The that Pandas book, I don't have audio done yet. So that's coming. And I, and I feel like there is a teaser to other books. I, I feel like you were kind of talking about the spokes coming out. So yeah. So do we have more books on the horizon? Um, more trainings for practitioners. And uh, yeah, and hopefully like, like you're talking about getting two IEP conferences and things like that. I keep putting in my proposals. Like I want to come talk to the industry, but um, I don't think they want to hear from me yet. <laughs> I'm probably going to say things that are a little dangerous. But, you know, that my whole thing is that, you know, the men and women who are doing this work, they really need to be protected from the things that we're learning about these toxins. So, yeah, more trainings. I don't know about book, but we'll see. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. It's interesting that you haven't got much, uh, you know, when you're setting stuff out for, for, for talking at these seminars. I There was a segment of time. Um, even pre-pandemic and a little bit right afterwards where I was being asked to talk at these places, I would go to these indoor air quality uh, conferences. I was out in one in Arizona. I go to these places and then it's like I resubmit and it's crickets. Like, yeah. like they almost didn't like they were all like, wow, this is really interesting. Don't come back again. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You're making it very hard for our exhibitors to be our vendors to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, like, so, so I've, I've, I've gotten this inkling, I think over the next couple of years, I'm going to have to do a, a, some sort of conference somewhere, maybe in the middle of the, the United States, where I bring all these, all of us into yeah. there and we do our own because I don't think the industry yeah. likes us being around. No, not so much. We are unintentional disruptors. I mean, that's not my intention is to, you know, be that. I just really want to see people be healthy and, and stop this trend that we have of, of building sick homes. This is a pre absolutely preventable problem. And that's, and that's the sad part for me a lot of times is, is it didn't have to be here and it doesn't, it doesn't have to get this way. Um, and anything that's preventable, we should be out talking about. And it's, that's, and mm -hmm. I, and I love, I think you said it in the first time, you know, not, we're not out to scare everybody, but I want to scare you enough for you, for you to listen, because unfortunately, yeah. if you're not scared, you don't listen. It's just our human nature says, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's just, that's more green stuff. That's what I get to all the time. Oh, that's just another guy talking green. And I'm like, no, not, not exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we have, we, we have to scare. And, and I love the fact that uh, throughout today, especially there's solutions, because I think when I started this 10 years ago, 15, oh boy, longer than that now, 15 years ago. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of solutions, right? We, we just didn't have the science and, and we didn't know how to inspect it properly. We didn't know we were doing, we all were learning on this series. Well, now we're kind of done with learning. That's why I tell people the exciting thing now is that although we're keep learning, mm -hmm. we have solutions that can actually make a difference today. And you talked about them today. So, I mean, again, I, I, these podcasts are a little bit longer than normal. I think this is important for people. Uh, you and I, I think, could chat forever. So, and it's, yeah, it's just we definitely. a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Twice now. <laughs> it's great. Two in, two in a row. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, thanks so, so much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. 
This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.